Hey, g'day there, fellow humans. Mark LaBusque here for the Simply Practically Human podcast. And today's guest is the CEO and founder of Paper Moose, which is a creative agency based in Sydney, Nick Hunter. I came across Nick via um, an organisation who wants to highlight people that are doing good in business. And Nick's going to share a bit about that. He's going to share a bit about his thoughts on creativity and some really, really incredible thoughts around simple and complicated and complex. So uh, have a listen, take some notes. There's some absolute gems in here and we'll catch you at the end. Life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark LaBusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. I'm absolutely thrilled today to be joined by the founder and CEO and ECD at Paper Moose, and also a human being who's all about positive change through creativity, Nick Hunter. Thanks for joining me. Pleasure to be here. We don't really know each other at all, and uh, that's this is one of the things when I get a bit scared because I'm going to ask you a question now that I have a terrific interest in, which is how humans create first impressions of other humans that they're meeting. So. Let's start there. What's your first impression of Mark LaBusque? Oh, that is an interesting question. Okay, uh, Mark, you seem um, you seem like a very a- a- amiable um, guy, very sort of straight down the line, easy to talk to. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at your images behind you as well to sort of uh, piece together um, what my other impressions are. But I feel like we could probably have a beer together and uh, chat uh, long into the afternoon. I love it, mate. And this is, look, it's always a challenging one, but I love what you also said then, I'm having a look behind you to pick a few things up. We could have a beer together. For me, I guess I, uh, my first impressions, because I, um, I I guess I looked at what was sent through to me and there was a little bit about the, we're going to talk a bit about the, let's call it the Joe Rogan incident. So had a look at that, then looked at some other things and I was, because I don't feel like I'm very creative and I was like, oh, shit, I'm in a bit of trouble here. This guy's a creative, so he must be creative, and I'm not creative, so I'm going to struggle. But, mate, I looked at your picture and I was like, energetic. He looks really smart. He looks wise. And then I read a bit about you, and then there was the actor piece. So I was pulling all things together, but just looked like, a, like you said, a good human being you could sit down and have a, have a beer with. And this is sort of what the podcast is about without the beer. So let's start with... There's so many things to cover here. We're going to get into creativity. We're also going to get into doing good in business for causes outside of business, which I know you're not just passionate about, but you walk your talk on. But before we go there, let's go through the life of Nick Hunter, shall we? You can share with the listeners a little bit about your backstory, where you grew up, sort of what influenced you along the way and um, and how you've landed where you are now. Um, so... Yeah, I grew up on, I guess, the North Shore of uh, Sydney, had a very sort of fortunate existence in my early years. Um, I traveled a lot. My dad is a pilot, so I managed to, yeah, I was very fortunate in in being able to travel a lot of the world and spend a lot of my early years in different places, different cultures, really immersing myself in those. And I guess my family was also really avid campers, so we, we spent a lot of time going through regional Australia and um, seeing our own backyard as well. So I guess that was my early years. And then uh, quite early on, I I 
really love storytelling. I'd make lots of short films. You know, I made stop animations with Legos when I was a really young kid and then continued that through school. Um, started to get interested in acting in high school. My school had a great drama department. My teacher there really encouraged sort of my creativity and and to follow the, those passions. And then so after school, I, I went into, I studied acting at Charles Sturt University in Wagga Wagga. So left left home and jumped into the the deep end of the university experience, which was I think really important for any any young person um, to get out of home and get out of their friendship circle and really try new things. And all through acting school, I continued to make short films and animations and and minored in animation and special effects as well. So after that, I came out of acting school. Uh, suddenly realized. Uh, how bloody hard the acting industry is, particularly in Australia. You know, got little spots here and there on Pack to the Rafters and Home and Away and a couple of feature films, but it was, you know, not a an easy existence, you know, pulling beers at the pub to make ends meet and doing short films and just trying to remain creative in any way possible, which is kind of how Paper Moose started so a few of my friends were also out of work artists and we got together and said, you know, let's, let's start making our own work. I was sick of being in other people's short films and thought we could do it ourselves. Um, so we, we started making our own short films, our own sketch shows, our own TV pilots, pitching them to networks. And my now wife, one of her friends suggested that we pitch on a little corporate video gig for the city of Sydney and we hadn't really considered making money from our craft in a commercial sense at, at that point. Um, so we pitched on it. We had no idea what we were meant to charge or what um, what the going rate for these <laughs> sorts of things are, or, or even what a you know what a corporate video was. So we kind of pitched it as an art piece essentially, and uh, won the pitch. And um, probably because we massively underquoted, um, <laughs> and you know way over delivered. So from that point on, we kind of became the city of Sydney's go-to video team. We set up in a in a little garage studio space over in the North Shore under one of the other uh, co-founders' parents' violin shop. So we set that up with uh, as like a tiny little studio, had people over there and shot them there. I mean, I can't imagine um, thinking back now of like the the Lord Mayor coming over to this industrial complex and uh, <laughs> walking into a garage. <laughs> to be filmed by these 21-year-olds. I don't know what we were thinking, but, um, you know, at, at that point we, were, we, we didn't really consider the optics of these sorts of things. It was more, well, you know, as long as the output is good, why should the, the experience or the optics of how professional we look uh, matter? So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we started and it kind of rolled on from then. Um, we started working with creative agencies, doing a lot of branded content because we had a really strong background in comedy. Quite often we were punching up agencies' scripts and then turning them into pieces of branded content. We then added a, des a design arm and then an experiential arm and then an interactive sort of digital arm as well of the business and uh, kind of spread ourselves across those different areas of creativity. And then a few years ago, we decided to sort of break away from working with creative agencies and went totally uh, full service. So we offer strategy, creative development, and all of the production. 
Love it. What a great story from camping regionally to Wagga to having a chat to some mates, which I love. It's like, let's do something ourselves because we're sick of sort of doing it for others. And what I really love was the optics versus the experience. And um, look, I think optics are important, but I, I can relate to that because I've been eight years out doing my own thing. I can remember at the start, absolutely over delivering and under quoting and then wondering why I got the work. But uh, there's, there's some real similarities there. So you're about 12 years now in this is paper moose, about 12 years old. Is that right? I mean, officially, we're just over 10 years old. Okay. Um, we had our 10-year birthday last year, but that was from when we had incorporated as a business. So yeah. we'd probably been another two years prior to that sort of mucking around with different things and coming up with a, a bit of a business model, essentially. So it's been 10 years of proper slog. Nice. Congratulations, because a lot of people don't get that far. Hey, um, let's go back. Your favourite regional camping place in Australia. The reason I ask you at the moment, Nick, I'm my and my wife are over in Tasmania for a month doing three days of virtual work and four days of adventuring around. And this is year two and we we bloody love it. And I, I, I I'm a regional boy. I grew up in Mildura, but I'm interested. What was one of your one of your best destinations that you can remember going to? Well, we're reaching far back into my uh my mind palace. Um, <laughs> there are some areas up in the Northern Territory that yep. particularly some of the gorges where it's safe to swim are just just incredible. Yep. I mean, the, the great thing about traveling through Australia is how diverse the, the landscape and yeah, I mean, every sort of region gives you so many different sort of jewels. Um, it's hard to sort of pick one of them, but I, I do remember that, you know, one of my favorite memories was some of the gorges up in uh, the NT, yeah. I love it. And um, and I guess if we think about the last two years, one of the benefits, even though it's not as we can't do it as much as we we would like to, is travelling around our own country. There's so much to do. In Tasmania, we could be here for mm-hmm. a long, long time and, and not get to a quarter of really what we wanted to see. Um, creativity, let's start there. So, You look to use creativity to create positive change. My question to start with, just a small question, according to Nick Hunter, what is creativity? Hmm. I think creativity is, I guess it's the manifestation of ideas and imagination. We use creativity in a very tangible way at Paper Moose where we're solving clients' business problems through creativity. So we're trying to dream up innovative solutions that hopefully no one has sort of thought of in the same way. I mean, that's, that's always the challenge with advertising is to try and, you know, find the white space in people's minds and, and take up a little bit of that with something that is of value and and entertaining to people. So how do you do that? So it's interesting because trying to find that white space in somebody's mind and that, that, that can relate to a whole lot of things, leadership and a whole lot of things there. But what's the process for trying to find that white space? Like getting people to look at things maybe a bit differently to what they have before and go, rather than going, or maybe they start here, Nick, with that's just crazy. And then you get them to somewhere. How do you, how do you move them along the continuum to, to dream and imagine a bit differently? Well, I think that's one of my primary roles at Paper Moose is to create an environment that really fosters sort of unbound creativity. 
creating a supportive environment where no idea is a bad idea and, yep. you know, we'll always explore everything that people sort of bring forwards. And then, you know, one of my favorite games is, you know, what, what is an idea that would get us fired on this brief? And then, <laughs> um, so we come up with ridiculous thing because it, it's often about, you know, taking away the restrictions that we put upon ourselves. And so th activities like that sort of then come up with ridiculous ideas that we think are impossible. And, and then what we do is flip it so that we wouldn't get fired for it. But it's, it's taking that um, outrageous idea and sort of bringing it into the real world as well. I love that idea of that's really working out on the edge. And, hmm. um, and, and again, if I'm sort of relaying it to leadership, it's, it's encouraging leaders to step out on the edge where they might suggest something or they might do something in a different way or maybe even challenge and hold, I know I've got it written here, but holding their nerve to go, let's work through this with someone. Interestingly, as you're talking and we live in a supposedly time poor world where maybe we haven't got time to be creative. I love the little smile that came on your face then. Um, how do you help people stay in this creative space when it's a bit like, but what's next and we've got to get on with the world? What's the secret there? I don't think we have less time. I think there's more noise. Nice. There's more clutter in, in the world and I think it's just about making a choice as to, you know, what are you having in you know what are the influences on your life and and carving out time to be able to be creative and and also applying creativity to everything you know how am i cooking this afternoon like tonight you know that can apply creativity i, I think creativity doesn't have to be put on a pedestal or anything like i can do my accounts in a well, I shouldn't say I can do my accounts in a creative way. Um, that, that, that's not the right thing to say, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. <laughs> I'm married to an accountant, by the way. Yeah. Okay, so, okay yeah. great. I'll expect an audit soon. Um, no. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, yeah, just applying. It's the type of thinking that is slightly more expansive and opening yourself to possibilities in every moment of your life. Yeah. And and I think that's when, you know, really exciting things happen. And when you're in a room with lots of creative people, it's really exciting when you're building on top of each other's ideas and and there is a real flow of energy and that's when you've hit the really sweet spot. But I think, I mean, as, as an actor what I always enjoyed doing was sort of stepping into other people's shoes and, yeah. and understanding what made them make a decision over one thing or another. Like why, why would they do this thing in a particular play or a, a TV series? Like why, what makes this character tick? And I apply that same thinking with our customers and understanding why does someone choose to litter over putting um, something in the bin in a responsible way? What, what are the things underlying in their psychology that make them make this decision? And, and we sort of pull those sorts of ideas through and, and figure out, okay, well, you know, can we empathize with, with this person and yep. how could we actually unlock their decision process to alter their, their choice over one uh, versus another? Some great words coming up there, Nick. Thank you. Empathy, you know, possibilities, open to the possibilities, opportunities. Love getting into a room full of creatives, you said. And I've got a question here that's like, and maybe maybe the word I use here isn't appropriate, but how do you manage a room of creatives? 
Uh, I mean, I, I think a good creative director is kind of a shepherd. You know, you're creating the environment that, you know, hopefully has the right amount of restrictions around it. And I, I try and input as little as possible. You know, where I see opportunities, I'll sort of tweak and nudge and, and encourage things to sort of go further. As ECD, I, I'm kind of floating at a slightly higher level where I'm popping in and out of creative with fresher eyes than yes. people that have been working on the idea for, you know, long, long, long time. So I guess my role is to sort of come in with those fresh eyes and sort of see where we can push it and ensure that it's aligned to the strategy and ensure that it is going to have that cut through that we require. Yeah. And I guess that fresh set of eyes is always important because sometimes we get to a point, particularly if we're engrossed in something, that we can't see what we can't see. I'm yep. sure that happens a lot. Hey, um, advice for people like me who say I'm not very creative and I, when I have to get in a room and be creative, I sort of sit there and freeze up a little bit. What advice would you give to people who, who, who have that mindset or maybe they've created their own story about themselves? Maybe because when they were back at school and they had, you know, they did plays and things like that, they always didn't get involved because I'm not creative. What what advice to the person who says I'm not creative to be able to tap into their creativity? Oh, yeah, I, I just don't believe that. I think everyone is creative to a certain level. Yeah. And if you want to be creative, then you should just explore different ways of letting that outlet. I mean, I had dreams of becoming an actor uh, and a filmmaker, and now I'm a CEO of an advertising agency. It wasn't the path that I originally thought I would take, but I think the core of my need as a, as a human being is to be creative and it doesn't really matter what that outlet is. Nice. So, uh, you know, get a, um, a pad and a, and a pencil and start sketching, you know, start writing, just do a flow of, you know, a flow of word associations, just, just yep. write, just do it. And then it, there's no judgment on, you shouldn't put any judgment on yourself. You should just experiment and see what comes of it. Yep. And you don't need to necessarily share it with anyone or you should, maybe you yep. should. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 great advice. And also love how that ties back before when you said like creativity is not this thing that's way out here. It can be, it can be when you're doing dinner tonight and how you be creative with that or, or whatever it might be. Hey, um, I want to touch quickly on some of the creative work that you've done recently. So, um, you know, the advertisement for the Gruen transfer, they got some response from someone who's copping a fair bit at the moment is in the media for a whole lot of reasons. Um, Joe Rogan, he has spent 60 million downloads on his podcast. I do listen to some of his podcasting because I find some of his um, guests are really, really interesting to listen to, but I, I do feel that it is, it has a little bit of, Joe's idea of the world going in there as well, which seems to have got a few people going. Mate, um, I watched that and it was, it's bloody funny. How did you come up with that sort of concept? Uh, so, uh, yeah, funnily enough, we were in the final selection process for New South Wales advertising for COVID and we were kind of in that final three or something. Um, missed out in the end, but it was it was then funny to then get that brief from Gruen around um, <laughs> uh, trying to persuade anti-vaxxers to get the vaccine. And I guess it, it is, you know, Gruen's one of those lovely experiences where you can kind of remove most of the restraints that we would normally have. Yep. 
when working with, say, government. Um, so we kind of let ourselves go and went to all ridiculous sorts of places. But I think, you know, where we landed, it was tied to a, a simple human truth. Yes. And I think that's where really effective creative always plays. Even if the execution itself is ridiculous, you know, the ad could have worked in a, both a, a serious way as a humorous way because yep. the the inside itself was deeply human. So talk a little bit about humor. You talked before about humor. Um Humour and the workplace. I came from a corporate background, not to say that we didn't used to have fun and have a bit of a joke, but it was a little bit frowned upon the humour or sometimes humour was used as a deflective tactic of getting away from what was really going on. Um, how how much emphasis do you put on that bringing humour into your workplace? I mean, my background is in comedy, so, yeah. I, you know, we're talking about going through Joe's lens. Nick's lens is definitely comedy, and, and I find it as an excellent way of cutting through and, and breaking down barriers. I think, you know, dealing with difficult situations and, and trying to change behaviour, you know, we know that telling people in a serious, scary way doesn't change behaviour, but we know that um, comedy can be a great way of sort of breaking down some of those initial barriers that people put up. <laughs> I mean, the, the Joe thing was great because he picked it up and and shared it without doing proper research, which <laughs> is one of the big complaints of Joe, and, and not realising it was a spoof ad. So it kind of, you know, proved some of our points um, <laughs> by making fun of him. So that, that was... Um, pretty delicious <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting you know because he obviously went very hard early and then he, he i believe this is a bit of a satirical thing so he came back with a bit of yeah that. he didn't edit yeah yeah the other piece of what you do which i think is not just for organizations like yours but is for all organizations is is the doing good mantra mm-hmm. and you do some incredible things with your humans in your organisation in the way that you've set yourself up. I want to get you to talk a bit about that shortly, but also doing good for for some very, very big global causes as well in in the way that you've structured the way that work happens. I did read a story that you, now I said my research isn't great, but maybe better than the research that Joe had done, but let's have a crack at this. (laughs) You were on a holiday, I think, in Queensland and you had this moment of thinking about the planet and other bits and pieces. Can you just, if I've got that right, and geez, I hope I have, but it was a little bit I read in your bio. You had this minute moment where you were thinking, I'm looking at your face going, geez, I hope he remembers this now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there was uh, an AFR article on this as well. Yes. Yeah, I, I love nature and I, I love spending time in nature, in particular scuba diving. You know, that's one of my passions. And, and I've seen over the last sort of 20 years, the changes to the Great Barrier Reef in particular, and I think that really struck home and, and that's always been something that was that I've been very passionate about is doing good where we possibly can. And last year we evolved our positioning from the makers agency to the change makers. And so, you know, our reason for being our purpose is is to spark positive change through creativity. So every project that we're working on, every client we're working with, and anywhere that we're, we can, we are trying to affect positive change by using what, you know, what is our superpower, creativity. So 
And we also sort of launched a, a buy one, give one in the middle of last year as well. So we're working with a bunch of really fascinating organizations that are working to sort of decarbonize the planet and sort of giving our time sort of pro bono to sort of help these organizations because they're working on sort of big, deep, hairy tech problems like yep. uh, cellular agriculture, like where is our protein going to come from in the next sort of 50 years in a sustainable way? These are hairy problems that we can't, that's not our skill set. But what we can do is help ensure that when this technology is available to people to consume, it's readily adopted and people are excited and and want to jump on board. That doesn't happen without some real leadership from the top, but I'm also going to say that it also doesn't happen without having incredible human beings surrounding you in your organisation. And as I as I flick through each of the faces in your team, I couldn't but help because I, I, I believe if I have any sort of superpower, it's getting a good sense early of whether this is a good organisation, either in seeing the people working together or their photos. And they weren't putting that, that wasn't a put on job. It wasn't like the make sure you sit this way and that these people look bloody happy. Now, you've done <laughs> something to create that, which I think is where I sort of want to go now is talk a bit about the way you've set up your organisation, your business, so that the employees or the humans in there can really feel part of it. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is the culture that we've created at Paper Moose. And people use the word culture a lot. And I think as an independent agency, we're not owned by anyone else. Um, Myself and Josh Flowers, my other co-founder, you know, are the sole owners of the business. We're not in it to make lots of money or or to sell out to some other big corporate. We're in it to create a business that is making a positive difference in the world and to live our lives in a really enjoyable way. So, you know, make, ensuring that, you know, I have a young family, a son and another one on the way. And, you know, it's really important to me that I have a good work-life balance, that I am I feel fulfilled and creatively engaged in everything that I do. And I feel that that is also the thing that every one of my employees should have as well. Um, so we're very uh, flat structured. We make a lot of decisions through anonymous surveys and consulting everyone in the team so that they feel like they have a voice. We have a profit share scheme as well so that at the end of the year, the profits are spread between all of the employees as well. We also have a time and lose system, which I think is unheard of in the advertising space. It's probably relatively normal in other industries, but the advertising industry is notorious for you know, people working until midnight when they have a pitch on or something like that. You know, I think that's probably just bad process and bad management. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've done a lot of work in ensuring that our processes and our systems are in a way that really support our people to do the best work that they can, but while also having a life outside of Moose as well. I love a couple of things there. One, one thing for me is I've, I've dropped the term work-life balance because I think it it sort of gives me the impression that work is separate to our lives. And I think it's such an important part of our lives. Mm. And then the other the other side of it with what you were saying then, like, I've heard it so much with my clients. It's like, you don't understand this is the way it is in our industry. And I'm like, well, why? that's that's bullshit. So <laughs> so when you're talking about it with with advertising, and yeah, look, it's the long hours and the, the, the midnight type stuff, but 
is that a badge of honour more so than a let's see how we can change this? And and you you know you are the living, breathing example of looking at it in a different way, taking into account all aspects of of your life. And give us some practical tips or tools on how you've been able to achieve this with your people. Like it's more than just the profit share and whatever else. There's got to be some other things in there as well. What 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 could people learn from the way Paper Moose have done this? And I don't think it matters if they're in advertising or they're in elite sport or government or whatever, because I think that's just a bullshit story. So what what are you what could you offer us here, mate, that would help? Well, I, I think it's just about having a clear vision and being able to clarify where I want the business to go and and really give ownership to the people that I've managed to surround myself with in contributing to that vision and mission as well um, so that they feel like it, that they're really a part of it. And I think, you know, just employing great people and letting them do their job, I'm probably relatively tough on standards, but but I, I trust my people first and foremost to do the job that I brought them on for. I think I've got a pretty good sense of if someone is sort of aligned with our culture and believes in the same things that we do. And from then it's all about just encouraging them and and pushing them and yeah, getting them to live their best life. And I think the sweet spot is when someone can bring their full self to work. You know, what are they passionate about outside of work and can we bring that in and can we foster an ability to sort of really um, have their full <laughs> full human being at most and all of the treasures that they have to sort of bring to the table and and for us to create you know magic out of it's so good to hear it not only hearing the words but they're absolutely believable because you know you, you can see those words on a wall at times and you're like yeah right and, and then what are your values and someone will go oh I think Integrity's one, and oh, let me Google the rest. And I'm thinking, no, 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 you've this is bullshit. But uh, you, you guys are walking your talk. Um, trust is a really interesting one. I love it how you said I hired these people to come in and do the work. I trust that they can do it. The old way was like, I'll trust you when you demonstrate to me that you are capable of doing it, which is also crazy because we've just hired them. Mm. We hire someone, and then we got to now. You got to build trust. Now you got to like, earn my trust. Yeah, exactly. So you, my sense with you is that you work a little bit. Maybe there's a little bit of a fence around it, but you work a bit more about implicitly trusting these people, good human beings coming to work to do good work. And what do you observe when people know that that is the social contract around trust? What's different about the way you interact compared to maybe another time where you might have seen it, where it was all about gaining trust. Well, I, I think trust creates more trust. You know, yeah. I, I think if you start with a trust deficit, people already feel like they're on the back foot and, yeah, it just makes no sense to me. I, I understand that occasionally, you know, I, I might get taken advantage of here and there by starting with trust, but I think it the, the benefits far outweigh the negatives. I, I think any manager with this salt should always trust their people for the reason that you've employed them. And, you know, if people fuck, you know, people fuck up, you know, that's just a matter of life and we should be there to support them, to help them through it. And, it, you know, if they're a bad cultural fit, then 
sure that's that's an issue but yeah i truly believe that you have to trust the people that you've you've brought on to do the job that that they want to do yeah i often ask a simple question of managers that i work with that who in your team comes in each day to make your fucking life difficult for you <laughs> now a few of them will straight away go well here's my list but it's like that's more about them than it is about the person and, and uh, you know just listen to this if you're listening to this and you're a manager and you've got this issue around people gaining your trust change your mindset would be what i would say hey what about trusting your gut oh that's yeah i mean i anytime i haven't trusted my gut is when i've made mistakes <laughs> um and you know i we've built this business from first principles i've never worked in a creative agency i never worked in a production house before i started you know I don't know what the status quo often is with a lot of these things. So Josh and I have very much designed everything from scratch. Obviously, you know, using the experience and the incredible people that we brought on board to sort of help shape that. But I very much do everything from my gut as well as obviously trying to be as informed as possible. But I like to move pretty quickly. I like to test things, you know, make mistakes. That didn't work. Okay, cool. Let's try something else. We're very much an organization that is continuously trying to improve the way that we do things because I'm the first one to admit that I I don't know everything. Um, I probably know (laughs) much less than a lot of the people out there in the studio. So I love being a sponge and utilizing their knowledge and their experiences to help inform the way that we make decisions. Yeah, and look, there's a beauty in that, what you just said in the vulnerability that comes with that as well. Look, I don't have all the answers. I fuck up every now and again. I don't do it intentionally and I might piss you off, but I'm not coming to do it. And just as a, as the founder, co-founder and um, CEO of the business, ECD, the business, like to hear that from someone must give people a lot of confidence to know that, they don't have to be shitting themselves if they get one thing wrong. The old way of what I used to call walk the plank versus this creating a safety net for people to go, look, every now and again you can fail. Again, with good intention. To, we're trying to make progress, but we've failed. But, yeah, I, I love that. I don't think anyone in the business does anything with a, a bad intention. No. You know, everyone is trying their hardest to achieve the goals of the business. And if they occasionally fuck up, then that's okay in my eyes because, you know, I've made a huge amounts of mistakes over the years and, and that's helped inform and create the business that we are today. And the other thing that's really interesting with that is the people will be watching you, you know, if think about your acting like you are on stage 24-7, they'll be watching you for those moments where things don't go right and seeing how you, you know, the very first thing they see, it'll be like, oh. And my sense is that they see someone who's like, yep, okay, well, what did we learn? Totally. And, and, I, and I think that the simple advice thing, I see leadership as sacred ground. Yeah. And I see my responsibilities and the responsibilities of the managers in this business as a sacred thing that we have responsibility to the people that are technically below us yep. uh, in the organization rather than their responsibility to us. You know, I, I think organizations should be structured and kind of flipped yes. those org charts so that, you know, the CEO and the CCO are, are working for everyone above them rather than everyone trying to please 
<laughs> us. That's that's not really how an organisation today, I think, should work. And I think that you're seeing those those changes in the industry, and I think the Great Resignation is part of that. I think there's a big shift in um, the old way of uh, we promote technical competence mm. and we continue to promote it to a point where it's now in charge of other human beings within its care and then it's like, fuck, what do I do now? And that I think that's starting to shift. I had a lovely guest on who's got a business which is all about, you know, there's not this future of work. It's, it's happening right now and, you know, we're not going back to something else. And she set up quite an interesting business which is about creating a space where people can step out of a traditional job and just go and freelance in in with businesses and it's uh, it's I think it's the way part of the way of the future hey um simple and practical complex complicated whatever else I want to call it I I'm a pretty simple dude a bit of a bogan and I have this view of the world that we might try and overcomplicate and make things complex at times even though there is complication and complexity because we're human beings why do some humans try and make things complex and complicated when they don't need to, if you think that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think it's far easier to make things complicated. I think it's laziness. I think our job as an agency is to untangle incredibly complicated things and make them beautifully simple. Yep. That that is our role as communicators because it's very easy to, you know, write about the benefits of one particular business over another in a long complicated essay, but to do it in a single line that that takes a huge amount of hard work yep. and sweating to make it beautifully simple. Yes, simplicity is is a, a religion here. <laughs> so <laughs> And, 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 you know, my, my tendencies is also to overcomplicate things and I have yep. to pick myself up and go, no, I need to strip this back. What is the core of what we're trying to achieve here? And, you know, whittle it away until I can't remove anything more. I think that's always the challenge. And if there are times there where perhaps you can't get out of the 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 entanglement of the complicated and the complex, have you got some people in the business there that will gently remind you that you might be getting a bit too caught up in that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Kate, one of our creative directors, is an incredible copywriter. And yes, she she will help me simplify things as, you know, our strategy team is all about, you know, it's not about boiling the ocean to come up with a solution. It's about yep. trying to to come to the best solution as quickly as possible and um, as elegantly as possible. And it's always great, particularly with the culture you've created in your business, that people know they can do that. There's no, like, I better not say that to Nick because he might get the shits on with me. It's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, Nick, rather than what you want to hear is, is a sense that I get. Tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about you because I've, there's some really good articles. I know you've been on some some little shows and that as well, talking about your business and whatnot, but where do people find out more about Nick Hunter and, and Paper Moose? Yeah, Paper Moose. Go to papermoose.com. Our website's up there, so you can check out all of our work. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, I'm nick at papermoose.com. Um, feel free to reach out and always happy to have a chat and talk to interesting people like yourself. I love it. And also the link, I'm going to put the link in the in the podcast feed to the, the little thing that stirred up old uh, Joey Rogan a bit. We'll, we'll whack that in so people can have a look because it's, it's bloody hilarious to watch it. Nick, thanks for coming on, mate. I appreciate it. Love the work that you're doing, that broader work you're doing, but 
absolutely love the work that you do with your humans in your business and we need more Nick Hunters in the world. So thank you. Thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate it. What a great episode that was. Nick Hunter is a, um, a fine human being who, as he says, is looking to use creativity to create positive change in the world. Love the way that they're, uh, they're supporting organisations and doing some uh, great work in that. But uh, just wanted to share a few of the highlights for me from today. Turning the incredibly complicated into beautifully simple was uh, was one of the terms that Nick used that really stood out for me. And that's basically the work they do every day, which is incredible. When he talked about coming up with an idea, working at the edge and coming up with an idea when they say, what is an idea that could get us fired? So really challenging um, their own creativity and challenging uh, their clients to take them to places and to, I guess, get into that white space that he talked about to help really unlock some creativity. And I loved it when he also said that it doesn't have to be huge to represent creativity. And it could, as he said, it could be being creative with the meal that you're cooking tonight. Did also want to share his three um, tips that he gave around the way that he has set up his business. And these tips, and I'm going to say this again, and it was said a couple of times in the episode, that these tips are for any organisation. And if you're telling yourself that it's only a small organisation and you can do it and you, you can't scale this stuff, that is absolute bullshit. So have a think about why you create that story that says you can't do it. Maybe it's just a bit too hard, but this can be done at at any size organisation. The three things that Nick shared as we uh, wrap up today, trust your people, be clear with the people and let the people do their job. Very, very simple, uh, three simple things and practical tips from a very, very good human being. Hey, if you love this one, why not rate it five stars and um, and leave us a little review as well. That would be great. And if you liked it, keep sharing the message of Simply Practically Human wider and wider so we can get as many people starting to think that way and uh, changing the world in which we live in. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical and keep it human. Bye for now.